I want to take a minute and talk about Shop Boss. It's the ultimate solution for automotive shop management. It's built by industry experts with real-world experience. In fact, the founder was a former shop owner himself. Now, Shop Boss is designed to be user-friendly, making it easy to set up, learn, and teach your team with Boss Pay, powered by 360 Payments. Enjoy integrated payments with digital signature capture, text-to-text pay, PayPal, and Venmo options, consumer financing, and now surcharging, all seamlessly integrated into Shop Boss. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing separate sets of books. Everything you need is built right in. But that's not all. ShopBoss also offers built-in DVI functionality, eliminating the need for third-party solutions. See how they can simplify your auto shop at shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. Shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. That's shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. My name is Jimmy Purdy, shop owner, master tech, transmission builder, and the host of the Gearbox Podcast. Here I talk with new and seasoned shop owners as well as industry professionals about day-to-day operations within their own shops and all the failures and successes that come along the way. From what grinds your gears to having to shift gears in the automotive industry, this is the Gearbox Podcast. Uh, This is all about you. What do you mean? It's about me. It's all about about you. (laughs) We're here to we're here to talk about you, you, you. Occasionally, we'll talk about me. Occasionally, you should have told me that shit from the get go. (laughs) We got to do an introduction now. So this is the Gearbox Podcast. Uh huh. So introduce yourself. My name is Christian Mercado. I like it. Hell yeah. What's your name? What 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 would you say that your title is? How do how do you view yourself? Fuck, um, a man of all trades. Wow. Yeah, kind of. A jack of all trades, a master of none? Yep. But it's better of being a master of none? Yep. Oh, is, is, it, is it good like that? I don't know. Jack of all trades, but a master of none, but it's better than being a master of none. That, that does not make sense. No? No. How does it, it go then? A jack, of all, a jack of all trades. But a master of none. But it beats being a master of one. That makes oh, more sense. Yeah, that there makes more is. sense. Yeah. The, okay, I screwed it up. Yeah, the I? other one, I was like, uh, we'll edit that other stuff. <laughs> we'll just edit that stuff out. <laughs> so, smog shop. Yeah, that's what you do. Yes. Okay. Smog. So, wh- why did you choose smogs? Why? Because it was easy. Okay, that's fair. Well, it was easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. You still find it easy? Yeah. That's the easy money on. Yep. Super fast. Ten I minutes. I can't stand smogs. Why? I don't know, man. I don't know how you do it. What do you mean? Like it's, when people fail, like how do you deal with that? No, I say you fail. Let's fix it or go do what you need to do with it. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I did it for a few years and. No, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was my very first dabble in the auto industry was smogs. Shit, and you didn't like it? No. I was test only though. Back when test only was still a thing. Remember test only? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, back when I was at mobile. Yeah, that's right. You were at Rocket... Rocket Smog, yeah. I was the Rocket Man. Damn, that was a long-ass <laughs> time ago. Oh, uh, yeah. What did, what, so you were test-only, so you didn't do any repairs. So when no. you, when they failed, what did you tell them? Can't do it. Even if I knew what was wrong, I can't do anything to you help You couldn't you. even tell them? I couldn't even tell them. So like, you just gave them a piece of paper, hey, you failed. You failed. You, See ya. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. 
Yeah, it was difficult. It was hard to, I mean, I don't know if it made it easier because I could, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to say something, but of course everyone thought I was lying. Everyone thought I knew what it was, you know? Yeah. Can't you just, just tell me what it is? Like, I, we don't know. I, I don't know for one. Like, I, I honestly have no idea. I was like 19 years old. <laughs> I can make a pretty good guess I mean, if you want me to, but, yeah. but even if I could, I remember it was, it was like they come in, the check engine light would be on and you got to fail them. Yep. Especially because we were test only. So we were like monitored by how many fails, just like the way Gold Chill is now. Or what is it called now? Star? The star. The star stuff. Yeah. You have, you have to fail them, like the way they come in. Mm-hmm. And I remember I'd, I'd pull them in and and then I, I always got in habits like checking your line. I was always like, hey, go get that fixed. It's going to fail, you know? And uh, your buddy over at bar. Which one? You know which one. <laughs> the guy that the guy that drives around and, and monitors all the smog shops. Yeah. He was in he was in checking the shop out at the time, you know? And he was doing like checking the paperwork, you know, when they come in and they do the mm-hmm. audits. Yeah. And I was like right in front of him, he was like in the office and I was like, Hey, and I told the, the client that was in there's like, Hey, look, this is gonna fail, so go ahead and get it fixed. He lost his mind. <laughs> you can't do that. Like, do what? Like you have to fail it if it comes in like that's messed up. And the and the client was sitting right there. I was like, you want me to fail and have them pay money when I know it's going to fail? And I was like, they didn't care. He didn't care. And I remember the look. I still remember the look on the guy's face. He's just like, was just like looking at the, he's like, who are you from? I'm, I'm with the Bureau of Auto, Auto Repair. Oh, he's, like, he's like, what do you do? He's like, I do checks and balances on shops to make sure everyone's doing the right thing. He's like, you think the right thing is failing my car when he can tell me and save me money? He's like. Oh, oh the customer? Yeah. He like right to his face is like, you think that's the right thing to do? And it was like, oh my god, I I don't remember the rest of it. I had, I had to get out of there, but that was a long that time must ago. Have been a good one. Yeah, that was my first my first interaction with that certain individual. <laughs> I won't say who it is, but you know who it is. Yeah, I seen him once or twice. You might have, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I be couldn't exact. believe that. I was like, <laughs> so after that, I was like, yeah, you got to fail him every time, don't matter. And after that, it was like every time I pull it in, do the whole thing. And I was so irate. You made me wait here. You knew the whole time when you pulled it in the check engine light and you knew it was going to fail. I was like, I can't do anything about it. Like, I have, sorry, I have to fail. Like, mm. And I was already upset about having to do that to somebody. And then, of course, I get the backlash from them. I was like, this sucks. Double slapper. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do this. This is terrible to people. Yeah, I still uh, do it sometimes. You know? I mean, I, you have then, to. Then I tell them, like, hey, look, it's, it's this. At the end of the report, it tells you. What what the lights on for? Right, and you give them an idea, and then they're like, "Okay, well, we'll reschedule and we'll bring it back." All right, cool. Yeah. So, to me, it brings me more work. I see with you, if it was a test only, you don't get any work. Yeah. So I, it's it opens an, a door. Yeah. For more work. So. Well, that's a good thing about being in California because most of us people wouldn't fix anyway. Yeah. You think anybody's gonna fix an EVAP code in freaking no. Minnesota? Hell no. <laughs> EGR code? Nope. I don't even know what that is. Check engine line's been home <laughs> for the last 10 years. Why would I fix that? I don't know. I do. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could see that on the other side of it, but man, it's a tough gig, mm-hmm. especially, I don't know. I guess if you had someone dedicated to just doing that day in and day out, 50 bucks a pop, I could see that being some gravy work, but I, ju- I think I just got a little burnt on the deal starting as early as I was and as inexperienced as I was and. Yeah, well, and I'm getting the short end of the stick yeah. at the same time. I don't know. I started, I got my license at, I was 20. My yeah. smug license. Yeah, it's about the time I got it. It was a lot easier for you than it was for me, though. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I, 
to get my my inspector license, super easy. To get the repairs, well, I, I, we went to go take the test together. Yeah, F- failed twice. Yeah, and then I went the third time and I failed again. <laughs> I guess it was a little harder. To oh say yeah, at least. it's fucking hard. Well, I had that when it was um. Oh, what, they, what was the classifications back then? It was like a 1A or 1B or something like that. A1, A8, and L1. No, those are the AACs, oh. but like the actual smog license because it, they, they don't have it set up like, like they do now with like the, the way they have like the test and then the repair license. It's like all in one. And no, I, it's not, it's not all in one. No, I mean, it, it was all in one for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was, it was a different time. And then I had uh, the enhanced endorsement so I could do the, the enhanced, the, like dyno. the dyno. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. It was like almost three grand oh, at shit. 19 years old. I mean, every penny I had to go to like this school. And by the school, I meant it was like somebody's shop. And I went in the back of their <laughs> the back of their garage with like four other dudes. And we're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And it was like some sort of like, I don't know what it was. It was like training thing. I don't know. It was kind of weird. Yeah, I did that too. Down in San Luis. In the back of somebody's shop. Shop, yeah, yeah. yeah San Luis. Auto repair, I think it was called. Yeah. It was a weird weird deal to try to get it. And then you'd, you had to get the ASCs, too, at the same time. And mm-hmm. yeah, I got, it was expensive. Yeah. See, I took the... Well, I tried the ACs, Didn't work. Then I took the alternative class. Oh, there you go. With Leonard. Oh, okay. Yeah, and your I, buddy. Yeah. That's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. I knew he'd yeah. come back up in conversation. Yeah. Organically. Now, now he's a teacher. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. We did that. And then I got it. And then I did... Well, yeah, the the the, the bar test. Yeah. So still still making money for you. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's good. You like you like the auto repair too, though. Mm. So so how how did this all start for you? This is this is where it gets juicy here. Where did I start? Yeah, like what what made what drove you to buy a shop, open a shop, and just open shop? Uh, well, it all started probably. So I was at Springstream Mobile. As a night cleaner, I guess. Yeah. Clean up all the oil, put restock oil. And then I started, Matt, Matt Smog was actually the manager there. So so your day-to-day was sweep the floors? Yep. Sweep floors, mop, restock oil, make sure all the tools were back where they need to go. And then... I feel like that, I feel like that position is, has, has long since been forgotten. Oh, yeah. It's just gone. Because you were damn good at it, I bet. Oh, yeah. You were damn good, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I think that position lasted. I was there doing that part for like three months. Well, not for you, but I think for the industry as a whole. Like, I don't think you can hire somebody, a kid that would come in and do that for you anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just seems like the ways of those days have long since been forgotten. Yeah, as far as like the, the new era of kids, yeah, like they're not gonna come in and sweep the floors at a shop and come in and like, so do I get to like build transmissions now or I've been here for four hours, you know, like what, what, what? <laughs> you can do what? Can start the bottom of the ladder, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what bottom rung that is. I don't think they knew there's a ladder anymore. Oh, that's not fair. There's a lot of good people out there that are trying hard, but I, I mean, you know what I mean, yeah, the, those days of like you having that job and you said about three months you did that, yeah. And then they moved me to days, started busting tires, and slowly moved into engine repair stuff. How did that transition work? I mean, did from 
Was that something you pushed for, or you just you just made sure you were there when you needed to be there? You did what you were told, and yep. They so moved I didn't push for it. They they asked me to move into days, and then slowly started putting me on little jobs, and they they must have seen that I was doing pretty good, so they kept bumping me up, bumping me up. So you never really had to make make that have that call. Uh. Uh-uh. You just like organically started moving into a different position. Mm-hmm. That's also something that I think needs to be addressed too in the industry. I think. Yeah. Everybody that comes in is like, like you say, when do I start building this or when do I, when do I do the cool stuff? Yeah. When can I build that hot rod? Yeah. What the? Yeah. You got to start from the bottom. Yeah. But I, I think on the other side of it too, I think there's too many owners out there that take advantage of the, sh- of the shop boy or, or maybe not promote someone soon enough. I feel like three months is a pretty nice, that's a pretty good little time to like have you start from kind of nothing. Cause before that, what was, what was the, where were you before even sweeping floors? Like why, why did you initiate that conversation to get a job at the, at that, at the mobile station? So before that, I was actually working at, um, San Miguel Bakery. And then, uh, the owner of the shop talked to my dad saying that one of the night guys was leaving if, I knew, or if he knew anybody that would come and just clean. And yeah, he introduced me to him. And then. So you didn't really have any sort of like drive to be at a shop? Nope. Just fell into it? Yep. Yeah. So you had to go from basically no experience. And within three months, they're like, hey, you know what? Why don't you start busting tires? Yep. See, that's a cool, that's a cool way to, to treat that situation instead of waiting a year, you know. Like throw you into the into the fire, throw to the wolves. See what he does. What's mm-hmm. the worst that can happen? It's just yeah. tires. <laughs> <laughs> and he's cleaning the shit out of this place. So yeah, What was the what was the drive? To, I mean, was it just because it was a job, and it's like you're making money, so you're gonna yeah. do the right thing. Yep. So I had bought a, my first car then, so I needed money, and it was a, they were consistent. They kept me for four four nights out of the week and one day out of the weekend. And it just progressed to five days a week. And eventually I got to six days a week. I only had one day off. So and then Making money though. Yeah. So I was that, paying my car payment. That's all I was worried about, huh? Yeah, I was just worried about money. Making sure the car was paid. That was the motivation. <laughs> Do you ever look at anybody else in the shop and be like, oh man, I want to be like that guy? Or you just grinding away no i was more focused on my cool car i guess i could say my high school car just wanted to make sure you had money to pay for it yep yep leave so you started breaking tires how'd that transition go from breaking tires to like the next evolution like so that's the jump from like the tire breaking sure someone can pretty much automate someone mm -hmm. you know kind of monkey work right yep it's not it's not hard i mean it's hard but it's not skilled yeah (laughs) The diagnosing is. It takes. I mean, it takes a little bit of skill to learn those damn tire machines, but um, yeah. to make that jump from that to start working on the engine stuff, that's where it takes a little bit of knowledge. Oh yeah. So, did someone take you under the wing, teach you that stuff? Um, kind of self-taught. I mean, there was no internet back then. Nope. Yeah, it was pretty much self-taught. <laughs> um, and asking a lot of questions. So, yeah, good thing I had some people that would answer the phone when I had a question. They'd tell me what to check, which route I should go. And that's pretty much how I got through the first part of it. But what motivated me was 
a brake job that my dad did that was like, it was on a, I think, 91 454. He took it in, and I think they charged him like $900 to put on brakes on a truck. And I was like, I, I think I can do that. We'll go get the parts. They're, what, 60 bucks? Yeah. And yeah, that, that job in that truck, I remember. And then he asked me to do the other ones, and then I just slowly started. Figuring it out. Yep. He's got a few trucks. Yeah. For the landscaping stuff, right? Yep. So, helping the landscaper. Yeah. That's that's where it started. That's when I started, like, doing his oil changes. Now did, now, did you do that to save him money, or did you see it as, like, an opportunity to make money? Like, wow, that was a $900 job. I could probably do that. Was that, like, trying to, like save him money or was that like the motivation like wow i could really make money if i learn this more yeah no it was to save him the money okay mm-hmm. yeah it wasn't i feel like that's how a lot of us start like yeah. we, we see how much we want cool cars we want nice stuff we want to help our family and friends out and then it's like well i can i can probably help you with that mm-hmm. i think that mindset sticks around for too long though you know because to this day it's like you're still trying to help people like, yeah and run a business. It's like, yeah, it's, you know, you get yeah. in there, you get in for the right reasons, but then you got to realize like you got to lose that mindset. But I, I feel like we all start from there. Like I can't afford to pay someone to fix my car. So I got to figure out how to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And for you, like I can't have my dad spend that kind of money. Like I, when I can do it. Yeah. It's interesting to, to think that's, that's like how I think most of us get into this field. It just lands that way. It's like, I can figure that out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hey dad, Save that money. I, 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 yeah, like you said, I think I could figure it out. And then when you do, it's like, what, dang, what's next? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Go on to the next one. Yeah. That wasn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty easy. Yeah. So yeah, that's where it started. From that point forward, what was the educational path for? Like, as far as you learn how to do breaks. I mean, in this day and age, you can Google anything, right? But back then, it was not the same. Mm-mm. You know. Doesn't seem like that long ago, but I guess it was. Uh, yeah, it was 2011. That <laughs> was a little while ago. Yeah, well, no, not pre, not pre internet. So you still had internet. I didn't have internet when when I first got into it, but <laughs> you had a little bit more than I did. At least I, th- I think you at least had dial up or something. But yeah, to, AOL. To, to say the least, asking questions, right, and everybody. But was there any schooling or anything that went along with it? It was just kind of like trial by fire. Yeah, it was just yeah, no schooling till. I uh, I moved uh, Matt Smog, and then Matt actually offered to pay for the school to get my smog license. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where the first part of the schooling came in. And that was basically just get your smog license just to make more money, though. Yep. There wasn't a drive like, I can't wait to be a smog tech because it's like, it's the coolest thing in the world. No, it's like, I can make how much more if I did this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so he's like, hey, get your smog and dollar raise. All right, cool. Well, that's what, it. What, what a dollar did, eh? <laughs> a dollar. That's all it took back then, yeah, huh? Contrast the school. <laughs> like, I'll do that if you're paying for it. Yep. I guess it's a free dollar if you don't have to put nothing out for it. No, yeah. Doesn't seem like a very good raise for becoming from a GS to a smog tech, but mm. that's all right. It is what it is. Yeah. More well, money more money is more money. Yeah. At the end that, of the day. <laughs> well, when I moved to Matt's, I was already, I, I guess you can call a parts changer. Yeah. So he a, would. A parts hanger. Yeah, some some, like some people call him a smashy bear. <laughs> Why is that? You just smash parts on the car. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was doing. Some other so I, some other people that I know of call them uh, call them smashy bears. 
Smash Bros. They just smash parts. <laughs> I don't know what hmm. that means. Yeah, it sounds cool. <laughs> so yeah, he did all the diagnosing, and it was just me and him for like a year, a year and a half. He would do diagnosing, and I would just change everything. And about, and then a year and a half later, then we got Carlos, I believe. And it was just the three of us for a while. The early beginnings, huh? Mm-hmm. Learned a lot, though, huh? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I watched him do most of every diagnosis, and then that's, that's where you, I picked everything up. From. You had a lot of side work, too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how you've made yourself to this point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just keeping your head down at a shop, you wouldn't have been able to build the clientele that you have now. So what was the incentive of the side work? Extra money. Okay. So I was always... I mean, obviously, that's like probably why everybody does it, but yeah, some people have different motivations to do that. And I think side work is a big one right now. I think we we can touch back on that in a minute, but um, yeah, it's just interesting. The side work, you got a good shop, you're at a good shop, they're growing, you're making mm-hmm. a good paycheck, but you still have the incentive to do side work because yeah, so, you weren't getting the, paid that, enough. The side work, no, the side work went back to the same trying to save people money so i knew what they would pay at the shop oh i see and then it was people that i mean they need a little bit of help so i'd be like hey you know i mean i'll do it after work it'll be way cheaper and i'm helping you right so you were in in a sense poaching clients to help save the money but of course at this time this day and age or this time in your life you didn't realize what it costs to run a shop Mm -hmm. right it's kind of like you're just trying. Then, you're just trying to help. Yeah, and then most of the people that I was that I would do it for would be friends. Yeah. So it started with friends, and then a friend of a friend, and a friend of a friend yep. of a friend, and, and then it just got bigger and bigger, <laughs> and it grew very fast. <laughs> so what what was the tipping point for you to leave that shop that you were at at Matt's once you decided to leave? What what was the turning point? Was that you like seeing? wow, I can do this on my own. I got enough work. I can't, I don't have time to be at work now because I have so much side work or. No, I actually enjoyed working for Matt. I mean, he, everybody's got his up and downs, but yeah, I, I liked working for Matt. Um, but my turning point was when I actually got let go from, or working from Matt. Okay. So I got let go. At that point, I, I knew most of the stuff. That I was capable of doing, so I—that's when I just said, "Let's go. Let's. We're gonna do this shit out of parents' garage. Whatever happens, happens." Yep. So, what, what, take take us back a little bit. Where was the turning point for him to to let you go? Obviously, you're growing. You're motivated. You're dedicated. Things are. You you've made a lot of progress in the last three years at this mm-hmm. point. So that he had to let me go. So I was doing a, I was doing towing. On the side, besides working for Matt. And I was doing tows, either on my lunch, after work, before work. And I would drive my tow truck to work. And then the landlord didn't like the tow truck being parked on in the premises. Oh, I assume. So, I guess he asked Matt something one night or one day. And then the landlord was there when I pulled up in the truck on lunch and he's like can't be parking that so me and him got into it 
So that put Matt in a bad spot. So he told Matt, like, hey, you got to do something about this. So then that's when I got let go. I can see that. Yep. Yeah. It's, so definitely put someone in a bad situation. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that's, that's where it was. That was the end of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you bounced around a little bit after that too. I did. So I started, well, after that, I mean, I, I did a bunch of side work at my parents' garage and then I went with uh, my cousin. Did a little bit of work there. Then I went over with you. Yeah. So basically, I was just, I, I was trying to find a location to where I could work on these side jobs. Yeah. Because I was just getting kicked out of everywhere else. And then eventually, I mean, I was like, I, I think I can do it. I found a spot for sale. And then I hopped all over it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big cut too there. I feel like there's a lot in the process of between like, bouncing around and trying to find a home and then i'm just gonna buy this whatever yeah you know i i i didn't think i could do it i i mean that was a long shot for me like who, who's who's gonna do that and i was like oh, i didn't think it was gonna happen yeah how's that mindset work though like i think a lot of people are kind of get stuck in that position too that you're in uh-huh. and they're doing the exact same thing working out of a storage container working out of a storage facility gonna- like Whatever they can find. Somebody's garage. out of a shed. Right. Whatever you can find. Mom's house, dad's house, freaking whatever. Whoever's got a garage, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are that, but they can't make that pivot to like invest, to like buy something. I mean, right now it's around here. You're not going to find anything. But even even just to like look at, I'm going to open a shop and rent it. And they look at that payment like, oh man, I don't know if I can afford it. I was scared. Yeah. I mean- when when I went into looking at this building, I think I had like five thousand dollars in my bank account, and that was it. That's all I was rolling with. Yeah, I was just I was just moving in five thousand. That was it. So then I I talked to some people and people I borrowed some money. Talked to the realtor. And he's like, yeah, we could probably make it work. And so I was how, like, oh. So how how did that process really like kind of lay out? You day one. You found the shop. You want to buy it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I obviously remember that whole situation. Yeah, but right, right. you, you and I were both in the same spot. <laughs> I remember you going through it. But how does that play out for you, making that next step and like the obstacles along the way? Like, what is is there a certain obstacle or or how, just play through the whole process? Like, what was going through your mind every day? Are you, you're going to have to borrow money? What mm-hmm. came up along the way that was your biggest obstacle? Like, how, what was, how did so that all play out? So, my, the biggest obstacle that I ran into while doing all the paperwork for that place was proving that I was still having income coming in. Yeah. That was like the biggest one. So, we just made some shit up, to be honest. We yeah. just wrote it up and we sent it in. We, we were crossing our fingers if it flew. And yeah, because at, at that point in time, it's not like you had an established business. No, you I didn't was, have a DBA. You didn't have anything, right? Nothing. It was just cash, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't have a point of sale system. Like there was, you're just working on people's car where you can. And it was all cash. Picking it up from their house, dropping it back off, cash. Mm-hmm. Just down and dirty. No, oh, yeah. no profit margin numbers, no parts. You just. Give me the part and I'll put it on. It'll be 250 bucks, yep, right? Exactly. <laughs> and it was like that for oh, a little over a year. So a little over a year, I couldn't prove any income. Yep. My last income was Matt. 
as far as solid like paychecks. Yeah. But as far as like, so you made the you you made the transition from being a tech to owning a shop, and in this whole time period, we're talking what was it about a five year time span from when you started at mobile until you found the shop and put an offer on on it. What's that time span? So I started at Matt, or I mean, I started at mobile in 2006 and I bought the building in 2015. Okay. So that was, was what? About nine, nine years. Nine years. Yeah. So we had just enough experience to be wet behind your ears. Yeah. As far as mm-hmm. automotive repair. Mm-hmm. But as far as owning, running a business, it was just, you just walked in. It was you and. Who wants, who wants just, to help? Yeah, me and um, Mauricio and Manny. Yeah, the 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 two gremlins that that stuck to with me everywhere I went on my side jobs. Oh, okay. So you had a couple guys that were, I had two guys helping me out, helping you out on the side. Well, yeah, one Manny, he he knew what he was doing. Mauricio right. was learning. He was like he was like me, cleanup boy. Yeah. Yep. For whatever kind of cleanup you needed, yep. how, I mean, how did how did it paying them going through? So how how they got paid was by the job. So whatever they did, and then I, I mean, I don't remember what I was charging back then, but yeah, they would get twenty bucks an hour. If I remember. I know Manny was getting twenty bucks an hour per job. Yeah, but it was it was book time. It wasn't the the amount of hours you. So you, I mean, you didn't have like a computer program or software so i mean for quoting jobs you just a water pump on a chevy truck how do you how do you find out how much how much you should be paid for that at that time so at that time i still had um what was it i had access to a repair program okay or uh so you had a little bit of something going on yeah so i would look it up and then it would tell me labor and all that so uh, I did have that. Yeah. Just something to, to help. I mean, obviously, when you're paying someone to do a job, you got to know what it's supposed to take. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so, losing your ass all yeah, the way. I, I did completely. have that. So, move, moving into, like, moving in, right? And you get the shop and, like, you're moving in. What's that mindset like? Like, how do you? Oh, man, I was uh, scared. I was like, dude, I got $4,000 payment coming up. Like, we got to make this shit happen. With 5000 in the bank? With 5000 And we, we only have one month. That's yeah. Not even a month. <laughs> no. Not even a month. Nope, that didn't include bills, nothing. So what does that look like Go, going through week one, trying to manage? Now, now you got to realize, like, I got to be legit. I got to start getting payroll. I got to start paying taxes. So the first year, I, I mean, I I was steady in work, so I knew I had cars lined up. But first day we moved in, I remember we had to... um clean the place because there was shit everywhere so like the first week we were there it was just cleaning right and then we would clean we'd fix a couple cars go back to cleaning painting um yeah it was like that for a solid week and then i mean the guys were there they were all helping out yeah so you're not you're not like closing the shop cleaning up and then opening up on monday right (laughs) no that's like (laughs) 24 <laughs> 7 seven days a week uh-huh. there's a car on the lot we're fixing it yep and paint it later or paint it at the same time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah if, i mean if, if there's one car one one person's there and two people are cleaning yeah and if another car came in one person stopped cleaning and st- started fixing a car right every uh, day every day 
There's no time to shut down and try to have a grand opening. No. Never try to do a grand opening. Huh? We did uh, the second year. Okay. And then at AutoZone was the one that helped out in that one. Okay. So they, nice. They bought they bought all the drinks. They bought the food. They they sent people out there to help us out. Yeah, that's cool. So we did a kind little, of a, a, little, a, grand a little grand opening. Yeah. yeah. So it was. It was but day right. one is like it's time to start making money. Yep. And figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're running a tow truck too, right? Yeah. So that's something we got to get into a little bit too. Is like, so meanwhile, all this stuff, you're still towing cars. Yeah. As And that's a pretty lucrative source of income for you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's next to smogs, I would say, probably one of your biggest oh, yeah. poles, right? Oh, yeah. And, so that's, it, and that's not something where you can schedule it. No. That's it like... Went, went on the fly. They <laughs> called. They're on the side of the road. They're waiting. They're waiting for somebody. Mm-hmm. And if you're there first... And obviously you're on CHP rotation too, so there's an accident, and that's got to be big money for you, right? Yeah, I, I don't do too many of the CHPs, but um, at the, but at the time, mm, I mean, was, if you're on rotation, it's like you got to oh, yeah. be there. Yep. Drop everything you're doing, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. <laughs> yep, you got to be there. I think a lot of people like a linear style of um, buying a shop, pay for the shop. These next four days, we're going to clean, we're going to paint, we're going to open on the fifth day. Uh, it, it's just like they want this linear process. If if I'm gonna do these these jobs on these days, or I'm gonna schedule in the morning, and then uh, I'll do the work in the afternoon. Like, it's nice for people to have that sense of of you know keeping things organized in their mind, like having processes in place. And I think um, the way you did it is obviously nowhere near having any sort of oh, no. plan vision. So there was there was no theme to it, um, as far as like keeping yourself organized. Like get in there, it's like whatever happens happens. Mm. Someone calls me, I gotta go get it. Someone pulls up, drop everything you're doing. Yeah, that's what I was doing. So if somebody broke down, I'd be the one to leave to go get them, and then I would bring them back. Obviously, you didn't have a SA, you didn't have a service advisor at the time. You mm-hmm. just had someone answering the phone, maybe even. No, it was a, it was all through my cell phone. All it through was all me. Phone. Yeah. So you're on the road towing. Hey, I got to bring this car in right now. Yeah, and of course, I think at that point in time too, the clients you had at that time were probably a little more pushy than they are now. Uh, yeah, some of them were. Yeah, yep. I still got a lot of my clients that were with me since I was bouncing around. Yeah, I still have most of them. Yeah, yeah that's good. But obviously, most of them at the time was like you were the go-to guy. Mm-hmm. You you were motivated at the time. You didn't have all this other stuff going on, so you could literally help them at any point yeah but now it's like hey i got bills to pay you're number two now and i'm sure a lot of them didn't like that uh-huh yeah <laughs> yeah so a <laughs> lot of them did leave I, I do have most of them still but yeah yeah it's like you can't help me anymore right at a drop of a hat like when i need you like, mm-hmm. i mean whether that be something with towing and and that's got to be tough too to try to figure out what's more important at the time you know I mean, for so on the financial side of it, how do you look at that every day? Like, was that something that you even like thought about as far as like, okay, I got this repair in or I got to go do this tow. What's the calculation? Like, what pays more money? Or is like, this car's in the shop, so I don't need to worry about it. I can push this off. I'm just going to go pick up the car. Yep. It was that's, just like. That's exactly how I thought. I'm like, dude, the more cars I have here, the more so money all about, is secured. All about car count. Get as mm-hmm. many on the lot as you can. Figure yep. out the money later. Yep. So I, I, I figured, well, the way I thought back then was if I have a car on the lot, I know, I know it's money sitting there. 
So I, I was just going to go out and grab whatever I can. And then when I didn't have anything to go get, that's when I started fixing what was already there. I see. And then I did talk to the customers and they, so a, a lot of them understood like, okay, cool. I mean, you're two, three days. All right. And they were lenient. There was a couple of people who were like, no, nah, I can't wait. Then, I mean, come get your car. Yeah. Kind I'm of deal. Come with it. How did the financials work in the very early ages, in the very beginnings? Right. I mean, it's something I'm, I still work on. I mean, everybody works on it every day. Mm-hmm. I, I, you're lying if you say you're not like looking at your financials every, yeah, every, every week, day. every month, every quarter, uh, trying to figure out how to tweak this, tweak that. But like in the very early beginnings, you're, you, you don't have the money to ask for help. You don't have the money to even stop and think about it. Like how does that, how do you look at a car? Does, does your, price change day one when you moved into that shop did you know instinctively like i need to start charging more or are you in that mindset where like if i charge more i'm gonna lose all these people and i'm gonna lose everything well the when i went into the building i everything stayed pretty much the same as i was working out of my parents garage my i didn't raise my prices i everything stayed the same um after i i believe three months I did go up a little bit. I think I went up like 10 bucks and just slowly started going up, going up until. What was the motivation behind you doing that? Um, bills. Bills okay. were racking up pretty yeah. fast. Yeah. And then. What was what was your calculation? Was it like, I'm just going to bump it up to something that doesn't seem too much so you don't want to scare anybody away and just kind of see if that makes any more money? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Okay. That's yeah, fair. Like, hey. Like you said, I didn't want to go up too high to where I was going to well, start scaring customers. I, th- I think a lot of people look at it and they're like, I don't know if I want like they don't want to up their labor rate because they don't want to scare people away. I think that's the number one thing. But the second one I, I feel a lot of people come across is they don't want to up it because they don't know how. Like they just, what do I do? I do a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars. Like what, where, where do you just up it to? And they think there's a fancy calculation, which there is, but whether or not that helps or not, like. I don't know. Sometimes it's just like by the seat of your pants, right? Mm -hmm. And you're just like, I'm going to bump it 10 bucks. At that time, did you know how many hours of work you had put in the month before? And you're like, well, if I do $10 and I had, you know, 30 hours of work last week, I'll make an extra 300 bucks. Like, was there anything like that going on? It was just like, it was just like, I need an extra 10 bucks. I I, I, I mean, I'll I'll do 10 bucks and we'll we'll see where it goes. goes. How was the parts? Was that something that was being marked up that you kept them? Yeah. Yeah. So parts I did. Um. I mean, the local parts stores gave me credit. So and then. But as far as your parts markup, so obviously before that you were just selling parts at cost, right? Yeah. And just charging labor. Like, mm-hmm. go get me your part, and I'll just charge you to put it on, right? Yep. Was that like the main? Yep. Pretty much. So now you're in a shop, and these people have this. I don't know this expectation of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like they know how much the part they can go down to the parts store for and so they're not going to pay you any more for that because they've been working with you for the last two years well the last water pump you just charged me what it was at the parts store did you start charging more for your parts right away or how long did it take before you started putting a margin on them um the margin on the parts i was already doing from before so that that just stayed up and then i used that margin. so you you weren't giving parts at cost no not at no Never. i was at the beginning of my parents house okay um, after that, when I started, when I, Manny and Mauricio started working, that's when my parts, I, I started making money off the parts. Okay. How did that conversation go? How, how did you learn or did, how, how did that come across? Like, how, how did it come across? I, I needed extra money. Okay. And then I, 
every time I would buy a part, I would see what I would pay, and then I would see what they would sell it for. Oh, okay. The so, list. The list price. So okay. I just started going off of the list price. Oh, okay. So that's, it wasn't very much, but that's what, that's what I started doing. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's more, sometimes less. I mean, they, they gave you something. So you just went off the receipt. It was like, it was like this is yep. the list price, so I'll, I'll take the list then. Yep. Exactly <laughs> what I was doing. Yep. <laughs> Was that something you were tracking in the first year once you got into the shop or you're just like, I'm just going to keep it like that and, and then just worry about the labor? Yeah, I, I didn't worry about it. No, I wasn't tracking nothing. Just keep it rolling. Yep. Now on the tow side of it, is that was that like an hourly thing or how did how did you make the income so the, on that one? The, the way I did the towing was based on location, where they were at and where they were going. And then I would just base it off my hourly rate. As I was working at the shop. Oh, I see. So you just yeah. took your shop rate and... And inclined it into the tone. Just Google mapped it and... Yep. Whatever it took to get to them and whatever it took to get to where they were going. I see. And then it was back. It was point to point, so... Simple. Yep. Keep it simple. Mm-hmm. But obviously for a while, a little bit of a struggle. Oh, yeah. It's was, still was a struggle. It, was, <laughs> I'm still struggling. <laughs> Not lucrative. Well, this has been so... You got about another two year, three years into it now. Where at? Uh, since you bought the shop, you got it in twenty eleven, right? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. So we're in what twenty twenty three? Yeah. So that's what eight years. About eight years, yeah. Eight years in this thing. Yeah. The surprise is still there. Surprise is still. How have things changed for you between the day you got the keys and you walked in to now? What in your mind? What have you seen grow, change, stay the same? Your mindset as far as like being motivated, like how is it, how is it personally and so, like financially and like business wise changed for you? So now the way I think about it is it's it's not money wise. I guess I could say. I mean, it's always money, but it's now I think of it like oh, now I got people to take care of. Like I got to make sure they're they have enough work. So I. So we can all make money. Yeah. So now I now I know like there's four people depending on me. Yeah. So I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. So yes, we do need to charge what we need to charge, but that's like the biggest one. Back then it was like I need to charge or I need this much money to pay my bills. Or I need this much to pay mortgage or the part. So literally month to month. Mm-hmm. Literally just I need to make four grand to make mortgage. Yep. Paid it. Mm-hmm. Let's go on day, the next day, month. day two of month of the second of the next <laughs> month. All right, let's do this again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like that for a whole year. That's grinding. That's <laughs> called grinding. Yeah. Not a lot of people have that and they keep that going through. But I mean there's gotta be motivation other than money to, at this point in time to keep it going. Yeah. So motivation at this point of time. Is I, <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't want to be doing this forever. I, I want to be able to like leave and leave that place running for the guys that are there. Right. So, was that was that ever a motivation when you first? So, what was the mindset walking in day one, owning a shop? Doing it. Yeah, like day one was. Was that always a goal to like, I'm gonna buy this place because I want it to be self sufficient. I want to be an absentee absentee owner. Was that like the vision? When you first moved in, or was no oh. that that vision came later. So the vision when I went in there was, I'm gonna come in there, I'm gonna start fixing stuff, I'm gonna 
get people to know me. I'm just gonna pay pay my rent, pay my mortgage, pay my mortgage, and so uh, that was it. Yeah, and have fun with the no no vision. Mm-mm. It's like whatever. We're just gonna smash in <laughs> there. We're gonna go in there and we're gonna fuck shit up. <laughs> they call that smash a bit. Earlier, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you just get in there and just start making <laughs> stuff we, happen. We, we, and all we, of a sudden, there's a paycheck. Like smash your bears. Cool. <laughs> I'm not making money, but I don't know anything. <laughs> So I guess, I, and I ate. So yeah, so we good. We're good. Let's go on the I got, next I got, day. I got food, and and uh, everything's paid. Yeah, what's happening next month? When I mean, when did that vision start changing for you, and realizing like you own the place, you run the place, you can't be a technician. I think that's the biggest. That is the biggest challenge I mean, for me, anyway. That's been my biggest still challenge is like yeah. realizing like I am no longer a technician. I put myself in the position where I, I own the place, I run the place, and I have to do that. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise everybody shows up and they have no leader because I'm too busy fixing cars. <laughs> like, and yeah. it's, still, it's still like it's hard to like wrap my mind around making that transition. But, I mean, for, for you, you moved in, you had a couple guys. They were, I mean, obviously not like... I mean, they're career technicians, but they're not they're not with you anymore as far as working in the shop, right? Correct. And you've gone through a few different mm-hmm. replacements in the meantime. Yep. And now you got some guys that are there that want to be there that are doing the work you need them to do. Mm-hmm. You are getting the idea of like, wow, I need to get systems and operations. It's like, but when does that change for you where it's like, okay, I need to stop working to take care of them? When did was, that, that was there a piv- yeah? Was there a pivotal moment when that came to you, or is it just slowly getting to the point where you just like burned yourself out and you're like, I can't do this, and I need people. You so know, I like- started so that I noticed when I had a crew of, I, I think I had six people at one point, and that's when that we, I mean, volumes were high, and we had. We got a contract through uh, Transit Pros to move um, insurance claims for towing. Okay. So that's when it changed. That's when I knew I had to put stuff in play in place for these people to go do. I couldn't be stuck fixing cars. And I, that, that happened in, I think, 2018. So it was, the, when, it was the tow gig that kind of pushed you in the direction of actually taking the more of a leadership ownership role. Yes. Mm-hmm. When you're so like, I had six people to control, and yeah, I, I just didn't have any time to be stuck under a hood anymore. I had to be on the phone, I had to be on the computer, and telling people what to do. Yeah, you had six drivers out mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, and obviously you can't be in all those six places at once. No, so I was like necess- constantly pure, tracking them. Pure necessity. Yeah, like there's no way I can do this. No, you can fix six cars. If six cars show pulled up to your shop, you could probably repair all those. Probably. You know, like I'll, I'll get to those. I don't need someone here. I can do that. Mm-hmm. But you can't be in six places at once. No. So that's an interesting, um, an interesting way where the necessity forced you to turn into somebody that you had no idea that you were going to be. Yep. Right, because you didn't really think about it when you first moved in, like the responsibilities of being an owner leader. I mean, obviously the responsibilities are there when you sign the loan documents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but like you're responsible for this payment. But like you, for you, like you just you worked as you cleaned up, you broke broke down tires, you worked at a smog shop for a little while, you got your smog license. You're like, that's all I need to do, mm-hmm. right? Like you didn't really see the behind the scenes. Obviously, we all know there's something going on behind the scenes, but I don't think we 
really realize the enormity of what that is behind the scenes. Oh, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. No, no, like, nobody does. Nobody does. Nope, and we, and we figure it out every day. Yep. But like to go in there and like not even when, when I got this place, I kind of had an idea of like what I needed to do as far as like being an owner and like making that transition. I bought it, you know, I, I was there and I, I saw those roles and you kind of started from basically nothing and, and just found a shop and you're like, I'm just going to take all my side work and work here. This looks good. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> exactly what it was. <laughs> This looks Everybody's like an, kicking me out. Everybody's got a landlord right here. I'll be my own. Yeah, and it's like you're you're in a in a way, I guess, forced into it. You know, I don't know if, if that's a strange way to look at it, but you're no, kind of you're, just pretty, you're, much you're right. pretty much forced into buying a building, which is strange because a, a lot out there want to buy a building, they can't find nothing. They want to buy a shop, they want to open a shop, and uh, and they don't. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting what the mindset is between that and where you started and where you ended up. You know, you just had a drive that was like, this needs to happen and it's going to happen. Like there was no no, right? Mm-hmm. And there still isn't a no for you. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is what needs to happen. This is going to happen. And I don't care what you say. Like, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. This, this is, this is, and it wasn't like driven by an automotive background necessarily, right? No. It was just like this is the path that I was put on. This is working for me, and I'm going to keep doing it. And you're not going to stop me, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's still like that. It's still like that, you know, <laughs> to this day. And it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, maybe not having the emotional attachment to the auto industry to begin with maybe changed that a little bit for you. Maybe a lot of people are so scared of failing because they love this industry so much they never take that risk to like make that next jump. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I can see that. I mean, obviously, I don't. I don't want to take light of the fact that you bought a shop with five thousand bucks in your back pocket. I mean, it takes cojones. I don't care who oh, you are. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, dude, I was, I was desperate. I guess. But if you look back on it, if you had the emotional attachment that you do now to the auto industry, would you do it again? I probably would. Yeah, I could. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Would. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. having that. Now you have this attachment. Now this I is, know what's up. And now you know, and it's like. And, and and you obviously like the industry. You love the industry. You've stayed in it this long, no matter how many people throw stones at you. Yep. <laughs> Sticks and stones won't hurt. And you, and you just keep doing it, waking up, doing it the next day anyway. So there's got to be a little passion for the fact of knowing how to do this in this field, right? Mm-hmm. Meeting the people in this industry, learning how to fix the cars. I mean, yeah, it's what drives us all to help everybody to learn this stuff. And to then take that passion and then think about failing it makes it so much worse than if you're like blind to the whole thing. Like, I don't know. I'm making money. Let's just see what happens here. If, yeah, it, fails, if, 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 if it fails, it fails. Like, I don't care. But <laughs> you're not emotionally attached to the industry at that point in time. You're just like, hey, if this works, it works. If not, I can fail. Like, I got something else I can go do. Yeah, I'll go it. I'll go back to the bakery or whatever, you know? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> But now you're like, you're so involved in it and, and like invested in it. It would be, I've, in my opinion, I feel like it makes it harder to like make that next jump to like think about failing. Because I think about it a lot too is like, what if I bought a building? What if I hired another tech and that was one too many? What if I have six guys on payroll and all of a sudden the economy takes a turn and it's like, and then we, it was like, what if, what if, what if? And it's like, I'm so invested and intertwined in like this industry as a whole. Like if I were to fail now, it would hurt so much more than when I was like just starting out, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just that emotional attachment. It's like, well, I have, of course I could go find something else to do. I'm not old. 
Like, yeah, yeah. I got other skills. I got skills. I can do other stuff. Yeah. But it's like, you know, everywhere you go, like, oh, what's up with the shop? It's like, oh, I actually failed and shut down. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, everybody's. Everybody knows me as the transmission guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like you, you're, you're the small guy that does the toes. Like, if you stop towing, it's like, no one would know what to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now freak out I, a little bit. Now, who do I call, you know? Like, and that would, of course, if you were pushed out of it, it would be so much worse to have to deal with that. Like, emotionally you know, or mentally yeah i don't know it's uh, right it's interesting the the stupid things we do when we're young and it's amazing how some of us get out of it you know <laughs> and there's a lot of stories just like yours where they don't make it you know yeah yeah because i mean all the older guys there were that have been doing it for a while it's like dude you you got like five years five years is your mark like at five years, you're, you'll know if you're going to make it or you're not going to make it. Yeah, the infancy period. Mm-hmm. Supposedly. I mean, well, I mean that, that's what I was told. I mean, I, I didn't know. Yeah. I, I, I was like, fuck it. If I make it, I make it. I'm making money. It's working right now. Let's keep going. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. So. Who cares about five years? <laughs> five years <laughs> is so far from now. Yeah. It's like forever. And now it's been, what, <laughs> seven, eight years now? Yeah, eight years ago. Yeah. I mean, they say that the infancy is five years, but I don't know. I feel like that's just a whole bunch of business nonsense probably i don't know it's, it's just, i never felt it i don't know i mean i, I i've been up and down up and down I'm maybe in, and down. maybe in like the 80s and the 90s but it's like it's so easy now to like market yourself social media um yeah it, it's just it's just so much easier to get back on your feet when something goes south or down or and and the volume of cars the volume of people in this industry is like never going to be a shortage of vehicles but like in the business sense, I don't know if there's maybe another industry that that applies to more, but like in the auto industry, as long as you get up every day and you just get to work, you know, five years you're going to fail. There's always going to be another car. Like mm-hmm. you really got to be doing something wrong yep. to not have a car come to your door the next day. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, yep. <laughs> it's like yeah, so, right. yeah, there's on. just so many out there Yeah, and there's so much different things to do. You can specialize in and it's like, yeah, the only way you're going to fail in five years is if you burn yourself out and you start getting into drugs or alcohol or something like that, you know? Yeah. I feel like maybe that's what it is, like two, three years in, and you, you're like, wow, I'm doing it, I'm making money, and then you just start coasting, maybe, I don't I know. You see that. You just lose the drive, lose the motivation. I mean, how how do you stay motivated after like that yeah. much and like not seeing your bank account grow for years and years and years and you're just like, why? How do I why stay I- motivated? I mean, obviously, you you could have failed and you could have walked away from them. I feel like the mortgage really ties you down. It's like a marriage, yeah. Opposed to like a rent, where it's like, you know what? I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not paying your rent anymore. If you were renting, would you have kept doing what you're doing now? If I was renting, say say instead of you buying that shop, you found a shop to rent, and now you're three, four. I probably years would have been kicked out. <laughs> I mean, dude, everywhere I went, I got kicked out. Yeah. But, everywhere I went. But beyond, beyond. beyond <laughs> so I probably wouldn't be doing this beyond, shit. <laughs> beyond you getting kicked out, would you have, would you have quit or would you have like, you know, this isn't worth it. Um, if you had the same payment, but instead of mortgage, it was rent, would that have been a driving force to like get you, you know, this isn't worth it, like three or four years in, or would you have just kept pushing it and like, no, I'm going to keep pushing it. I'm going to eventually find yeah. something to buy. It, it, it could have pushed me away. So, yes, the mortgage has kept me there because I know I can do something else if that fails. I, I know I can do other stuff if the auto industry fails on me. Yeah. If it was rented, I think I probably would have gave up. Yeah. Been too oh, much, yeah. huh? Yeah, it would have been way too much. 
Um, would have been kind of no point. Yeah. So, yeah. so ha- having that there and knowing that's your backup and knowing that this will be mine as long as I keep showing up every day and doing work. Yep. Huge motivator, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And then all the upgrades I've been, I've been able to do definitely made me. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's easy to pay rent when you're, you're successful and you're doing good. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, it is what it is. It would be, it'd be nice if it was going to something else, but to be going into the red and then pick, taking money out of your own pocket to pay rent on a shop that's not making, like, you're, you're paying to be there. Yeah. And I, I would have gave up. <laughs> There's no way. No. Giving somebody else money to show up now. Not a chance. I, I would have I started figuring something else out. Like, no, no I'm not doing that. No, I would have focused on the towing, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I would have got more guys again. Because that, that, that year, the 2018 year, when we had that, the big fire up north mm-hmm. in Chico, we were stationed up there for three months. Yeah. And I mean, those guys were just killing it over there. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that year was really good. Yeah. Solid year. Yeah. So at that point, that, that probably would have been the tipping point for you. I'm really like, I'm not, I'm going to keep paying rent. Like, yeah, I'm just going to get a storage yard and just, yeah. So keep I, when, when we were doing that, yeah, I had six guys up there and then I, I had two guys at the shop. So, I mean, I was, and then I was just doing all the running back and forth. Like I had two trucks break down. So I had to run up, grab one, leave one for those guys that keep going the next day, bring the broken one back, fix it, and then ship it back up when it was done. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. <laughs> and I did that shit twice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh-huh. it was in the middle of the night. I would take off at six, six o'clock at night. I'd be up there at two in the morning. And I still had to turn around and come back. Right. Towing something back. Yeah. I was towing. I was, I towed a truck up and I towed one back. Right. Towing the whole time. Yeah. So it was, it was like the behind the scenes kind of shit you said. Yeah. Nobody knows what the fuck I'm doing. Right. I'm just making sure those guys are able to keep, keep going. working the next day. And then yep. they, and then they call you in the morning. They're like, my tummy hurts. I don't think I'm going to be able to do this today. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah. You're going to get shot, dude. <laughs> Make another phone call real quick. Hold on. <laughs> excuse me what you're what now <laughs> well i've yeah. been driving all week and i'm tired uh, oh hell no <laughs> okay i don't want to do this today <laughs> smoke the smoke's really bothering me yeah yeah i could yeah that's it's a crazy crazy all night stuff like that uh, i mean I, I can't do that anymore yeah i probably couldn't but i mean it was it was good money i was uh, i'm motivated i was i'm like dude Let's go after it. Right. Time to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, having having that kind of being a saving grace, I guess, as far as like the mortgage, is that something you always looked at? Like always drew you, kind of drew you back in? Like well, as, long, as long as I just make the mortgage, I just keep paying, I'll own it, I'll be able to do what I want. So it's not really about having an auto shop then in a sense, right? Like obviously now, right. like, you, like you said, you you got to take care of your people, mm-hmm. and it's important to bring in the work to take care of your people. But has there ever been a vision of like, I want this to be the best auto shop in in the nation, or like, how does the vision look for you for actually owning that auto shop? Is it just basically been like a sense of income for you, and now you have this responsibility of taking care of the people that are taking care of you, or is it like I want this to be? a really good shop you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. there's so a difference there 
and I'm doing it for basically for the community, I guess I could say. I, I want to be able to help the people, the locals, because I'm not really advertising for outside. I'm not looking to grow bigger. I'm just doing, I'm trying to be a good shop for the locals. I see. And then trying to, I know, because there's, there's a couple of, I mean, bad, bad, uh, what, what do you say? Hmm. The mechanics that charge for not doing anything. Like yeah, the, the, su- the, the subpar. That, yeah, we we'll call them subpar. <laughs> Those guys. The uneth- unethical ones. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just trying to be an honest, trying to be as truthful as, as I can with everything we do. So there's a driving force behind actually running the shop. Yeah. It's not about just making the income and like owning the property. There's definitely a, a driving force behind it to actually give back to the auto industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Can't help but suck you in. Been this over a decade for you. Oh, yeah. And now it's like, this has become you. I want to give back, you know? Yeah. And it's the same It's the same bug that bites us all, you know? It's nice to help people out. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And you realize you got to make money doing it, too. And then you get, you know... It's it's amazing how it changes, you know, in, in the mindset of, like, going from... Not trying to be the cheapest, but you're just trying to help people out. And it's yeah. hard to charge someone for that. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, see someone on the side of the road, you want to pull over and help them because you know how. Yeah. Someone pulls in, they're on vacation with their kids and their wife and they're going to Disneyland or whatever. They break down, they pull into your shop. You want to drop everything you're doing and help them. Yeah. Right? Yes. But then you realize, I can't do that <laughs> because yeah. it doesn't make me any money. And if I want to do this next month, I can... <laughs> I gotta charge them for that. I gotta. I can't just stop everything I'm doing with these paying customers now and help this guy out, even though you want to. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be pulling over on the side of the road when you're on a test drive with someone else's car because yeah. <laughs> you see someone else broken down <laughs> on the side of the road. But you want to and you want to help them. It's just, yeah. It's almost. Uh, I don't have the good. I don't have a word for it, but it, it's hard to be put in that position because that's the reason why you started. Yep. The whole reason why you started is to help help and now you realize like the only way you can keep doing it is by not helping mm-hmm. isn't that weird yeah yeah not helping or i mean if you do help your time is money at that point i mean you're you're making a living off of it right yeah and it's it's yeah it's, it's weird how that changes <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> very slowly but you quickly understand what it takes to mm-hmm. like actually make that happen it's like what other you know Having multiple sources of revenue helps a lot. Yeah. Right. But if you were to look back and see where you started at and what you're charging now, you're, you've become the shop now that when you started, you were trying to get everybody away from, right? Yes. In, a, in a sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you yeah, were doing that, the side work because you didn't want them to go to a shop. But now you've become the shop that you were doing the side work to keep everybody out of. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I, and I see it with uh, some of my employees now. Like they got a family member, and they don't bring it into the shop yeah. because of that. Right? Like how oh, it's too expensive. Like let me do it after work. Yeah, kind of thing. So I'm and like, hey, dude. I, now I see where I was. Yeah, I see where you're. And, and that's why from. I wanted so, to touch back to the side work. And now, so it, now we're back to the side work conversation yeah. that I wanted to bring up later. <laughs> now here we are. We landed on. We're on the rock. Yeah. So that does not bother me one bit. No. No, it does not. 
So when they say, hey, I'm going to do it after work, more power to you, dude. If you want to use my tools, go for it. Well, so, yeah. And if they want to stay there late, go for it. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of cars out there for everybody. Yeah. The side work's a big controversial topic as mm -hmm. far as like having your techs do side work, you know? And yep. like, I, I don't think it's all about like paying them enough. They say, well, if you pay them more, then they won't do the side work. But it's like, I think it's more than that. Yeah, they'll still do it. Yeah, but so. but it's not financially driven. No. Of course it is. It's nice to make the extra money. But like you said, it's it's more about just helping somebody else out that's not in the position to pay Correct. the shop rates. That's why it doesn't. So I, I when I see my employee or I see like this happened last week. Um, his cousin's car or his AC stopped working. They ordered the stuff. He didn't have the money to pay for it through the shop. So he asked, hey, can I do it after work? Sure. But they're like, hey, we're going to buy the parts through you. I was like, okay, cool. I'll make a little bit of money. You want to stay late? You want to use the shop? I mean, go for it. I still think of it as me helping him help his cousin out. Yeah. So I'm still helping down the road. Yeah. So does it bother me? My answer is no. Not even a little bit on. No. Yeah, it's, it's a big it's a big topic. A lot of guys, are, I've heard they will fire someone if they find out their texts are doing side work. Yep, I've heard that too. And I'm like, uh, maybe they maybe they, they see you different. I don't know. Yeah. I see it because I, I went through there. But and you I also don't it. see it as like them making income or stealing work from you. Because you realize they don't have the money to pay you no matter what. Like, even if they were to say, no, it needs to go through the shop or I can't do it, well, they're going to probably find someone else to do it cheaper, right? Yeah. So, it's going to get done by somebody else regardless. And who knows who that Joe Blow is, right? They're yeah. probably going to, who knows, maybe not do it right, whatever. But, they, they, so they're not going to pay for your shop rate anyway. So, what's the point of trying to, you know, milk a dry cow, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're, they're not going to get nothing, anywhere. They're not going to get anywhere. There's nothing left there. There's nothing to squeeze. Yep. You know? Um, and so that's how I look at it too. Like, it is damaging to the industry to an extent where these customers or clients, they get accustomed to this rate, this side work where they're getting charged 50 bucks an hour, you know, and the work is good. You guys are talented. They do the mm -hmm. same work after hours that they do during hours at the shop. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's unskilled labor. It's skilled labor and it's deeply discounted. And I think people get, just get accustomed to that. And then they get sticker shock when they go to an actual auto shop, a facility that's charging $165 an hour. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a sticker shock, right? And I think that's what the problem is. Um, but but if they don't have the money, they don't have the money, you know? And what, what's that car going to do if it's not fixed by a qualified technician? You know, so in a sense, the, the the skilled labor is at least keeping that vehicle on the road. It's at least keeping it from an unsafe hands, you know, yeah. from a kid sweeping floors that, that wants to do it on the side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and like not know what the hell he's doing. Mm. I mean, luckily for you, you had trucks that your dad had and you were able to learn on them. So if something went wrong, you knew about it right away and you could fix it. But yeah. you just think about the, the, the kids that are out there doing that and they're like, oh, I'll make 50 bucks an hour doing breaks and they have no idea what they're doing and they don't care to know what they're doing. They're just trying to make some extra money on some random person's vehicle. That's way worse for the industry than than side work from the guys at the shop. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth with it. I mean, 
I don't have the same mindset as you, but I'm not definitely not as extreme as like to say I don't want that at all. You know, mm-hmm. I, I there's a little bit of that like everyone should just take their vehicle to a shop to make sure it's done correctly, yeah. and that we promote the industry, and that I can pay my technicians as much as I possibly can. That's my goal. That's and the more cars I can get here, the, the more work for them, the more I'm comfortable increasing their rate, the more knowledge they get. So the more I can increase their rate, you know, and that's how I see it. So like the side work pulls that away, but I have yet to see a dent in the workflow, but that's just in my mind of like, yeah. what if, you know, what if this happens? And it's like, well, that's not going to happen. And then the other side of it is that now you got you guys doing the side work and now they can't show up to work on time or they're tired because they worked all night and now they're not motivated and they don't, they're not like sharp and ready to go the next day. But also it's like, we went all went through that, mm-hmm. you know, you're driving up to freaking NorCal mm-hmm. all night, come back, run the shop, yep. you know, Eureka, buck up, back. you know, get it, get it done. I don't care how tired you are. You're the one that worked all night. And I think that just builds character, right? Well, as my dad always told me. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> they say it builds character, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't think know. it does. Yeah. <laughs> you'll get super drunk and stay up all night, and then you got to go to work the next day. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That, that generation's long gone yeah, now. But. Yeah. You probably only do that once, and you'd be like, I did, that a lo- I did that a lot. <laughs> a lot. I was part of that generation. It was like, you got away I, with I don't a lot, care. probably. I don't care if you're up all freaking night. Like, you get your ass to work the next day. It's like, oh, God, I can't let anybody know I was up all night drinking. <laughs> so you just show up and you just do your thing, you know? But now everyone calls in sick because they had one too many beers. Like, come on, man. Yeah. No. Man up, dude. Get this. Get the job done, you know? It builds character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, cool. That was quite, a, uh, quite an adventure we went on, I think. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. No oh, man. From start to finish there. Was it? Basically for you. Yeah. It took, yeah. It took your whole life and condensed it down to like just under an hour. No shit. Yeah, it makes you feel like you didn't get to do anything, huh? No. I mean, you shit. What have you done with it, yourself? It, it's like coming down here on, on work hours and just fucking sit here with you. Yeah, that's true. Fuck, and I go back, you got five smogs waiting. Oh shit, I was gone that long. Holy shit, what happened? <laughs> So we got to take a quick takeaway. What's the um, what's one of the biggest takeaways that you think you've kind of learned in the in just the last ten? What do you years? mean takeaways? Just something that you've that's really stuck with you that's changed, or maybe something that from like starting from sweeping floors to learning the stuff to buying a shop. Like, is there something that really stands out to you in your mind as far as this whole kind of journey that we just went through? As far as like what you might have changed or done differently. Someone maybe in your position right now that's like doing the same thing, looking at buying a shop, looking at renting a shop. Any advice you could kind of give someone in that in that similar situation? Um the advice I mean definitely I mean you gotta know what you're getting into. It's um I mean all these newer cars. Yeah. It ain't the stuff that I learned back at mobile. Right. But I mean what I mean is like stepping into that position of like Taking that, taking that jump, taking that leap, that step. Mm-hmm. I got nowhere to go. You were forced in this situation. Maybe someone's thinking about, and they're not forced in this situation, but they're like maybe thinking about doing it. Uh, I don't know. I got this good job. Would you incentivize them to make that jump? Would you do it again? Um, if you didn't have to? If I didn't have to? Would you have still done I, it like that? I probably would have done it a little different, but I mean, I, I, 
I like the adrenaline. I like to live on the edge. Yeah, I mean, always on the edge. <laughs> it's uh, I, that's just me. I, that's something you enjoy, huh? Yeah, the thrill to feel like you're gonna get shut down. I guess, yeah. but you're like you're smashing through whatever gets in your way. Okay, that's fair. So I, it's not for everybody, I guess. No, but there's a lot of people that are scared. I mean, I was scared, but. Did that like feed yourself too? Like the, the oh, more yeah. you started realizing, like you're making it. Next month you're making it. Next month you're making it. Oh yeah, that, that was like that, a driving. That drove me yeah. Yeah, hard. Yeah, and then it just. And then the years just fly by. Yeah, living on the edge, YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You heard? <laughs> yep. <laughs> mo- mo- so moving in to the shop. What would be something that you would have changed moving in? Like organization. Organization. Yes. Focus yes. on organization. Yes, definitely. Um, I was I, I was scrambling squirrel nuts. But you probably I, weren't too worried about it to begin with, right? No, like, I wasn't. Yeah. I, now I now from looking back, I do see, man, if I was organized and I if I had a system in place, I think I would have been a little bit better off yeah. versus. Doing what I was doing. I was just gobbling whatever came my way. So you mean organizing workflow, or yeah. organizing the shop, organizing... Or organizing workflow. Okay. So like like I told you before, I was just collecting cars. I mean, I was just stacking them up. And if I like organized myself and be like, yo, look, I know I can do five cars. I'll do. I'll collect six. In case I finish one <clears throat> early, I, I, like, I still got some. And then just keep doing that versus collecting 20 to 26 cars. And then they're just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could see so, that being a problem. Yeah, I, I can see the mindset of like wanting that though. <laughs> like I can, I can 100% get that. Like moving in, like I got this, like cars mean money. Car count means money count. I'm collecting you know? it. I'm, I'm, so that's, that's all money. Yep. You know, that's exactly was, what my vision was. But obviously, the that, I was thinking. that goes the other direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I can't get anything done because I got too much stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good takeaway. And then yeah. I started getting the city hounding me for cars again. And yeah. So mm-hmm. I, if I was organized, organization would have been just, I guess, I guess relax a little bit and realize you got the cars will come. Don't stress. Focus on what you can do today. Mm-hmm. You know? Get that done, and then line it up for tomorrow. Uh, that's a good. That's a good way to put it. I mean, that's a good. That's a good mindset to have. I think that's how most successful shops end up t- turning to. Mm-hmm. You realize, like, I need a schedule. A schedule is the most important thing. And the sooner you put a schedule in place, the more, like you said, organized you become. Then you can. Then you realize, like, oh wow, I don't need forty cars here to yeah. be profitable. <laughs> yep. Just get the ones that come, and then send them on their way. I like it. So yeah, that's definitely one of the one of the things I would say. Organization. Nice. Well, cool. This has been fun. Yeah, did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, I did. I, I told you it was gonna be all about you. Yeah, when you told me to come do this shit, I was like, what the fuck? I don't even know what I'm gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about diapers. Yeah, you talk for all hour. Talk about diapers. 